The Perfect Ten with Steve Allen, voice of the NRL and six-time Radio Award winner. Welcome to another edition of The Perfect Ten. Our next guest, a basketball legend who played 11 seasons in the NBL. Firstly, with the City of Sydney Astronauts, then the Newcastle Falcons and the Sydney Kings. When he retired from the highest level of sport, he was 2IC at the PGA, and he went on to coach the Kings and was also Chief Executive Officer. Now, he sits on numerous boards and also runs the Central Coast Academy of Sport. And it's timely with the Kings winners in their first finals match, a miraculous comeback from 16 points down in their first final. So, let's get down to business. Ian Moose Rebillion, welcome to The Perfect Ten. Thanks very much, Steve. Very nice intro. Uh, look, I've got a couple of key questions before we start talking basketball. The, the Rebilliard family, where did you grow up? How many uh, siblings? Just tell us a bit about your background. Yeah, so uh, six kids, Castle Hill area. So dad was a, a solicitor in Parramatta. He had a, a very uh, good sporting career himself. I'm the youngest of six, uh, five boys and one girl. For you, how do you become exposed to basketball? I really understand how young kids, young Aussies, watch Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Luke Longley's a part of that team, Scotty Pippen. I can understand how they got drawn into basketball, but you're a generation ahead of all of those Aussie kids. When were you first exposed to basketball? Yeah, good question. So uh, when I was in primary school, I was at the King School. So rugby was very big. It was big in our family. All Everyone in our family played rugby. Uh, but the coach in primary school of the rugby team uh, got us playing, got us, the, the footy team, playing basketball in the off-season to improve our ball skills. And that was my introduction to it. The fellow uh, is Peter Yeend, and uh, he's a, uh, a life member of Basketball New South Wales. So it was through Peter Yeend, or Yeendy as we used to call him. Is there a competition at that time in the Hills District that you're a part of? No, none. So it was all uh, predominantly school-based, but then uh, you'd go and play for an association, local association. Hills basketball didn't exist then. It was more Parramatta. Uh, so I played for the Parramatta Basketball Association, the Parramatta Wildcats. Were you good at rugby uh, before you started playing basketball? I was competent. Uh, so that's a short answer of one of six uh, kids. Yeah, I ended up playing first grade in Sydney as well and played for the rest of Australia in rugby union. But that was a sideline to my basketball. Yeah, wow. Were you a number eight? <laughs> I was a number eight. Number eight or a back rower, six or seven. Yeah, so you could have gone down that pathway as well. Uh, I was asked to, but funnily enough, basketball became uh, semi-professional a lot sooner than, uh, than rugby, so it actually helped pay a few bills when I was going through college that I was actually playing professionally, uh, and that didn't happen in rugby until you know the early 1990s. Moose, I mentioned about Michael Jordan. For you, was it Showtime in Los Angeles with Magic and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Like, who were your heroes back then? Yeah, well, well obviously, uh, the Boston Celtics had Larry Bird, and, and uh, he was well-supported. The opposite side of the country was uh, the, the LA Lakers with, with Magic. And, I mean, those two teams were really the, the ants' pants. 
Jordan and, and the Bulls came after them, but um, I had a, a, a real love for just the history of Boston and the Boston Celtics and, and how they built that program. And interestingly, the Sydney Kings combined those two teams to try and have the glitz of, uh, of the Lakers, but the history of the Boston Celtics. How do you become a City of Sydney astronaut in the late 70s? <laughs> well, I was, <laughs> I was the youngest uh, player in that team i've got so many funny stories about being an astronaut i can tell you (laughs) but i was 19 when the national league started i was uh, recruited out of Parramatta to play for city of sydney Uh, city of sydney got a license into the national league in 1979 so city of sydney and the bankstown bruins were the first two teams into the nbl you know way back then 40 odd years ago what does the league look like in 1979 (laughs) What's it look like? Probably not as athletic as it does today. Um, Certainly not as much money. Certainly not played out of major, major venues. We we were at Alexandria, the smallest court in Australia. Luckily, it had seated a thousand people. I went from there to Newcastle and you know, maximum crowds were three and a half at the Broadmeadow Entertainment Centre, purposely built, you know, up, up there by the Newcastle Basketball Association. So it's changed a lot. Moose, do you vividly remember your debut in 79? Oh, I do, yes. Um, so I was at the Alexandria Stadium. Our mascot was a fellow dressed up as an astronaut with a big bubble head. And we are in the change rooms. They they're probably no bigger than a, a small office. Anyway, we get called out and uh, we're being let out by our mascot. <laughs> he couldn't get his bubble head out the door. So as he ran out, he, he cracked his bubble. <laughs> we caught him. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty special times with the astronauts. I always love a mascot mishap, uh, regardless of what sport it is. Who's the courtside announcer that night? He didn't have your skills, Steve, and I'm not sure we even had one because it would have cost us money. <laughs> but it was funny, and look, it was back in 1979, so what's that? 41 years ago, we wore Umbro clothing, which back then, uh, well, football soccer brand. So Umbro uh, provided the clothing, and we looked like a soccer team. Marched out by um, uh, an astronaut that couldn't get out the door. <laughs> it was crazy. Who gave you the nickname Moose? Dad. So, you know, there's a thousand thoughts on why I'm called Moose, but I, as a kid, love Rocky and Bullwinkle, the cartoon, and I was Bullwinkle the Moose. Fantastic. You said about money. Like, uh, I know it's a very personal question. Uh, It's up to you how you answer it on The Perfect Ten, but did you make much money through the early part of your career? Well, we transitioned out of amateur sports, so anything, if you got paid to play a sport that you would play anyway it was a bonus and I was at college so a dollar to me then you know probably felt like a thousand dollars so you know I made money as a a young player which helped me get through college uh, which helped me set up my you know professional career outside of sport so I won't say you know I could live on that day by day but it, it certainly helped but being in a professional sporting environment you also found ways to spend it. You've got a phenomenal record in your first three seasons you shoot at 50 percent field goal percentage across your career it's in the high 40s and your best year of all you're still at 49.2 percent field goal shooting i mean that is phenomenal you know i wouldn't have known those numbers until you said them look i was fortunate to play with great players so i wasn't called upon a lot to score so shots i'd take probably a higher percentage shots um i mean when i started they didn't have a three-point line so i mean that that that's going to help (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I played with guys like Ian Davies, who's potentially one of Australia's, you know, 
top three shooters that we've ever produced, Michael Johnson. So I, I was fortunate to play with good players and, you know, if you play with them, you're going to make more shots than you, you know, you miss. For listeners who never saw you play, what was Moose Rebilliard's game? What did it look like? Yeah, probably lacked a bit of finesse, but if there was a contest to be had, I'd probably out-compete most people. So I, I, I enjoyed the competition, so I guess it was a little bit like rugby on a basketball court. Um, if there was a loose ball, I'd be good odds-on favourite to get it. And I had the ability to bring players together and that's been spoken about quite a bit about my character in a team and I think that's probably the the greatest legacy I could have in any team is to be a uh, you know a valued team contributor tell me about Newcastle uh you were at the Falcons for six years so longer than any other team you were associated with Bob moved to, to Newcastle so he recruited me up there and that's when I went to college uh so I combined my uh education career with a basketball career and it's, that's when basketball became uh semi-professional to professional uh great town and uh, you honestly couldn't walk anywhere without being recognised because of the support of NBN. Uh, Mike Rabit was a leading uh, person in that space and uh, we, we had an absolute ball up there. It was a fantastic place to play and what a shame that they don't, they don't have an NBL side now. Moose, how are you lured back to Sydney? And when you get there... Do you realise at the time that it becomes the halcyon days of the Sydney Kings, that late 80s, early 90s, when the D train was in town? I think Man Mountain Dean Utoff was there, but you can tell us who's in your lineup and what it meant to be a king. Yeah, well, I got asked back again. Bob Turner got recruited back after the first year. Uh, Bob came in as the coach, so he recruited me. So I came into the second year of the Sydney Kings. So that was with Carfino and Ridland, Keogh, the Daltons, Tim Morrissey. So a lot of players that were you know very capable Ian Davies um, so I got asked back because I was playing footy back up on the coast on the central coast I was playing for the Trojans Terrigal um, and in did the year before I was actually the the, the central coast rugby player of the year <laughs> one for the archives um, so I got dragged off the footy field again to go back and play play basketball and obviously there were a few more dollars in it uh, around that time That is part one with Moose. Next episode, Moose names his all-time Sydney Kings starting five and somehow names a starting five in the NBA. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. The Perfect Ten.